Welcome, my name is Hazard. Today I have a special episode of the podcast for you. I just got back from the Lockheed Martin factory. I had a chance to sit down with their chief test pilot, Brick Wilson. So Brick not only leads F-35 test pilots, but all test pilots for Lockheed Martin. He specifically flies the F-35 and he flies all three variants. He's a wealth of knowledge. I had a great time chatting with him. So here we go. Without further ado, Brick Wilson. All right, Brick, welcome. Thank you for being here with me. So I think the first question I have that everybody wants to know is, how do the different aircraft fly compared to each other? So a little bit about my background, Navy pilot for a little over 20 years, flew all variants of the F-18. I've flown all variants of the F-35. Having a test background, I've had the opportunity to hop in F-16, third gen fighters, even second gen fighters. And what I can tell you is from a handling qualities, you know, a flying perspective, whether I'm flying was flying my fourth gen fighter or flying the uh, the F-35, the jets are easy to fly, right? Mm -hmm. But that's by design, right? So when I was flying my fourth gen fighter, it, which was easy to, to fly, it was fun to fly. But while I was in the cockpit, when I was taken in into combat, I was as much a systems manager as I was a pilot or a tactician. And with the F-35, you know, the magic is sensor fusion. So I don't have to be that sensor manager anymore. I can be that true tactician. The jet's easy to fly. I can sit back, watch the entire tactical uh, situation develop, and then either tackle it myself or act as that quarterback and help other people tackle it. Yeah, I, I agree. F-16, you know, had a lot of improvements at the time, too. So auto trim, things like that, that allowed people to have, you know, a higher level decision right. matrix. Same thing with F-35. We have all the sensors, all that fusion to, uh, to help out with the situational awareness. So I only have experience with the A model, but how does the C model with the larger wings uh, compare to the A model? So it, it handles a little bit better. You know, uh, the pilots talk about the buffet, especially at, at higher altitudes. With that large wing, that buffet is greatly reduced. We get a lot of performance benefits on you know range and endurance numbers with that that large wing. But to be honest with you, Hazard, you know when that canopy comes down, it's it's really imperceptible, right? It's yeah, you notice a couple of minor differences, but really the big difference is when I hit the button over here on the left, whether it's putting the hook down or converting the Scoville in the B model, or you know, I don't even think the Air Force uses this all that much. No. But no. you know, really that's the biggest difference, and then of course the amount of fuel it carries. So you know, you get a bit, little bit better uh, ride quality in the air with the C model, but really performance-wise, it's the same. Do you ever have to remind yourself what jet you're flying? Because the only other pilot that I know has flown all three is Single Hamilton. So he's, he's so. Do you have to you know tell yourself put a sticky note on the dashboard? Yeah, you know, not so much put a sticky note, but I do have to remind myself. I was in a, a brief a couple of weeks ago, and I was getting ready to go fly a B model, and I hadn't hopped in a B model in a while. So you know, going through the standard brief, I'm like, okay, so I have an aborted takeoff. You know, I do have the hook as an option, and my wingman's like, no, you don't, dude. <laughs> so. You, you do have to kind of remind yourself, okay, what, what's the takeoff and landing parameters and, you know, what are my capabilities? But we, like you said, we're, we're flying all three variants here, so it, it, it kind of gets routine. So what's the B model like? I know I've heard horror stories from people on the Harrier being able to hover and land that thing, but I hear the F-35 is a lot easier to do that. So don't let the Harrier community fool you. This jet is easy to hover, okay? As a matter of fact, almost no airmanship is required. I can hit three buttons 
and B, in a stable hover. Okay, so the first one is the conversion to Stovall mode, the whole transformer thing, the doors open and whatnot. I can auto decel to zero knots ground. I can even tell the jet that I want to achieve zero knots at a specific waypoint. Wow. So it's either you know a little bit of airmanship or, hey, I want to be zero knots at this waypoint. And then it has a mode called TRC, which will compensate for any crosswinds, any headwinds, and hold the aircraft stable over a position on the earth. So you know, we do it, we test every B model to make sure that it, that it works. But like I said, three buttons, and I can have it in a stable hover. The first time you do it, the first time you feel the jet slowing down, and the AOA, you know, the nose starts to pitch up, and then it finally converts to jet borne, and the nose will pitch back down. The first time you do that, it's a little uncomfortable. But you, know, you get used to it. Now, don't take what I'm saying. You know, landing on the boat in the B model, still a little bit of a challenge. But, you know, the control law engineers here at Lockheed Martin have done a fantastic job across all variants. And uh, much like that sensor fusion magic that we talk about, the F-35 is the only production fighter that I know of that uses that nonlinear dynamic inversion control law stuff. So I'll, I'll geek out a little bit yeah, as, sure. as a test pilot. And it, what that does is it, it really takes your conventional feedback control law system and flips it on its head, right? So the engineers have the capability to make the jet fly almost any way they want to. So anyways, bringing it back to the B model, it's easy. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's fun. How long would it take somebody like me to, to be able to learn how to hover? I could take you to the sim and within an hour. Wow. Part of the envelope, hovering, right? Yeah, it's, that's it's, Again, it's easy. Well, same thing with the, the carrier. So we were talking before, my brother flies the F-18, so they spend uh -huh. a lot of time learning how to land. I see that in the sub-menu, the J-PALS, and I hear you know, it makes it pretty easy to land on the carrier now, right. and I know you were the first person ever to land an F-35 on the carrier. So what was that like? The F-35 has uh, a couple of things going for it. One is called Delta Flight Path. So when you're trying to land on the boat, Right, there's three tasks that the pilot has to do. They have to get on glide slope. So, you know, when you're watching Top Gun, they hear, you know, Maverick has the ball, right? It's that optical glide slope that you're, you're capturing. You got to be on center line. And with today's carriers, the landing area is candid offset about 10 degrees from the center line of the ship. So there's a little bit of a sideward motion uh, of your runway. And then uh, maintain angle of attack because it's critical that you touch down at the proper, what we say speed, but really angle of attack to give the hook the max probability of engaging and then to ensure that you're not too fast because if you're too fast, you can damage the arresting gear. And if you're too slow, then that could cause problems as you're trying to come aboard the boat. And with Delta Flight Path, you know, what we found over uh, three ship trials and what the fleet's finding now is you can put the F-35C down repeatedly on the same point over and over and over again. That's a problem, right? They're yeah, drifting it, the carrier. It's, yeah, we're, we're wearing out the, the non-skid. We're, uh, <laughs> you know, hitting the same wire over and over again, so it's causing a little more maintenance on that one wire. So, yeah, there's that funny aspect, but the reality is the safety margins have increased, right? So, one, Delta flight path, and the F-18 has a similar system now. It makes it safer to land on the boat, first and foremost. The, the easy part, okay, yeah, you know, that takes away a little bit of the, the challenge during the day, but landing on the boat at night is still, get your adrenaline going, mm -hmm. right? Whether you're fourth gen fighter or if you're in the, the, the F-35. But again, at, at the end of the day, it's about, you know, making it safer for the pilot. And then there's, there's other benefits that can be realized by doing that, right? 
So maybe the you know the squadrons don't have to spend as much time preparing for the boat as they used to, which means they can spend more time airborne, spend more fuel on those tactical scenarios, and make a better fighter pilot. Pretty soon you're gonna be like the Air Force. <laughs> Let's not get crazy now. <laughs> all, right, all right. So what do your flight profiles look like here? So what are you doing uh, like last week? What kind of sure? So. We take the first flight of every aircraft out of the factory. The A and the C model, they get two flights. The, the B model does get a third flight to check out the Stovall uh, systems. So that first flight, we're basically checking out the vehicle systems. We're making sure that the aircraft is airworthy, right? That, you know, there's no defects. And if there are, we identify them and make sure that they're fixed prior to going out to the warfighter. The second mission, we're checking out the mission systems, right? We're checking out the sensors. We're checking out sensor fusion. We're checking out some of the other enhanced capabilities, you know, Maddle and what Maddle brings to the fight. You know, we're making sure that the aircraft is, like I said, ready to go to the warfighter. And on day one, that aircraft is ready for the warfighter to strap it on and take it into harm's way. That B model, we uh, use a, a third flight just to make sure that the stowable systems are working properly. We'll bring it into the hover, some uh, slow landings, some short takeoffs. So it's kind of a repetitive process, but again, at the end of the day, it's making sure that the warfighter has the best machine that they uh, can possibly have. Yeah, when they show up to, to loop, we'll see like six hours on them. So I'm glad, <laughs> glad I get to finally meet the person that put those six hours. It has that new jet smell, oh. which is definitely foreign for me, flying the F-16 Block 40 that was built in the 80s, yep. Block 50 built in the 90s and 2000s. So this is pretty cool to be on. Oh, don't get me wrong. I've definitely got spoiled. I've had the opportunity to go out uh, back to Tuxent River, went up to Hill hopped in a couple of jets and as I'm walking out to him I'm like oh where's where's the new car smell where's the new plane smell <laughs> so are you guys expanding the envelope doing kind of experimental test flights now or is this just making sure that each jet is up to spec so what we're doing here is we're making sure that the jets up to spec you know one of the beautiful things about the f-35 is its capability to be developed further right so the jet that first started flying about 10 years ago is not the same jet that we're flying today as far as capability. Now, the, the test sites, Patuxent River and Edwards, they're constantly working on upgraded capabilities, whether it's adding new uh, weapons or you know new sensor capabilities. But like I was saying, the, and the jet that we're flying today is going to be very different from the F-35 that's flying 10 years from now. And part of that is because of the software architecture, right? So if you go back to our fourth-gen fighters, whether it's the F-16 or the F-18, New capability and new software used to get pushed about every two years, or new capability came in the form of boxes. What we're striving to do is push new software about every six months, and with each new software update comes a new capability, right? So you're not, you know, having to change out the boxes, which limits the amount of testing that, you know, has to go through, so you're shortening the testing timelines. You know, and, and it just makes it easier and easier to, to add those capabilities because it's all software driven. You know, right up to the day that we had to cut off testing to make sure that we're ready for the boat. But then we made it out to the boat and the aircraft performed excellently. We were able to knock out all the testing that we wanted to do and, and get it done early, which almost never happens in developmental flight test. But it was just the, you know, dealing with each and every challenge that was thrown at us. You know, but that's not really anything different than what we experience today. As you're aware, right, challenges continue to pop up with, with respect to the F-35. And it's a matter of taking a step back and saying, okay, where can we do better? And just making sure, again, that we're pushing, you know, the most lethal, the most connected, the most survivable aircraft on the face of the planet 
out to the men and women that are going to strap it on and take it into harm's way. Well, you're kind of the bridge from some of the people I talked to earlier with the engineers. So what the, what's that like talking pilot speak and then going to the engineers and talking engineer speak? So, you know, it's a bit like that line from um, Office Space. People I, person. I'm a people person. <laughs> so you take it to the engineers. No, I have people to do that. So you take it to the customer, right? But no, all, all kidding aside, if you talk to trained test pilots, that, that's what we do. We, we all have technical backgrounds, so we have the capability to sit down with the engineers and go through you know, all the technical aspects. And then you know, because we all come from an operational background, we can then you know, bring it out to the warfighter, shoot down our watches, right? Yeah. And, and you know, t talk about it from that perspective. And you're not just the head engineer on the F-35, you're in charge of all test pilots, is that correct? So I'm the chief of fighter flight ops for Lockheed Martin, so I have all the test pilots working um, F-16, F-22, and F-35. How many test pilots do you guys have? So we have 18 uh, pilots all together. It's, okay. a, it's a mix of operational pilot and test pilots, about 50-50 mix, so nine test pilots, nine operational pilots. But it's important to maintain that mix, right? Because sometimes it's easy for the test pilots to get lost in the ones and zeros. So having that operational background makes sure that we remain uh, relevant and up-to-date with what's going on in the fleet. What's, what's it at like keeping track of all those different programs, different pilots going on at the same time? You know, it sounds a lot harder than what it actually is. It's, it's no, I don't think it's any different than being in an operational squadron. You know, at least from a Navy perspective, we have about 18 pilots in an operational squadron. I'm not much different here, so it's just a matter of, you know, who's flying what day to day. I have a deputy who's basically, you know, an operations officer that helps me uh, out with that. I have, a, you know, a staff that helps uh, track and uh, make sure that we're following all the applicable rules and guidance and so it's actually not, not as difficult as it sounds. Are you looking for different types of test pilots to be able to fly the different types of jets depending on where they are in the program, like maybe the F-35 very early on versus now kind of at a good pace? No, you know, from a test pilot perspective, what we're looking for, and we're in a bit of a transition right now, it used to be years ago that we had, say, F-35 test pilots that worked for Lockheed Martin. Well, we're changing up that philosophy because I don't want an F-35 test pilot, I want a test pilot. So it's a, a Lockheed Martin test pilot who stays current uh, flying the F-35 or flying the F-16 or flying the F-22. Because at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's a benefit to bringing all the pilots together and talking about you know, the challenges that one airframe may be in over another. And then coming up with that, those, those potential solutions that, that fits across the entire portfolio of aircraft that we have. Yeah, I, I know from the F-35 perspective, it's been pretty cool to see the diversity of pilots coming from F-15, C models, Strike Eagles, Raptors, and we're kind of building our own community. So that's right. been, been pretty cool to see. Yeah, nice. So what are some of the improvements that you can talk about that you're most excited to see? I hear the engine's going to get some more power. Have you had a chance to fly one of those aircraft? Uh, so I've not had a chance to, to fly that. You know, like I was saying earlier, it's, it's not so much what's right in front of us is what's down the road. What's 10 years from now, right? I'm sure, you know, there's a lot of talk in, in the Air Force as well as the other services about, you know, 6th Gen fighters and what that's going to bring to the fight. And, and really all I can say is, you know what it's like to fly the F-35 and what the capability the F-35 brings, and that's a 5th Gen fighter. Imagine what 6th Gen's going to bring. Yeah, I can't wait. You, you and me both. You know, 2nd Gen all the way to 6th, that would be a hell of a career. It would, it would.
What are some of the biggest misconceptions that you see with the F-35? The list is long, right? <laughs> the list know. is long. So let, let's first start off with the F-35 is not maneuverable, okay? I, I thought that Lockheed had laid that to rest with the Paris Air Show. This aircraft has the best of both worlds. It has high alpha capability, up to 50 alpha, and has a, a strong thrust-to-weight ratio as well. So, you know, in the, in the visual arena, whether we're fighting one circle or two circle fights, you know, the pilot has multiple tools that he or she can use to solve that problem. This aircraft is extremely maneuverable and it's just, you know, fun. So whether I go out and fly an A model and pull nine Gs and pull up to 50 Alpha in the same flight or, you know, do uh, similar maneuvers in the, uh, the B and the C, it's just fun. But let's face it, where the strength of this aircraft comes from is in that sensor and sensor fusion, right? So, again, flying our fourth-gen fighters, I know at least for the Navy, one of the uh, things you always hated to hear on the radio was VID, right? Visual ID. Right. We don't know what's out there, so we got to get eyeballs on to, to solve that problem. With the F-35, as you well know, I should have that solved way out at range, right? So the, the days of actually having to take it into the visual arena and do some, some dogfight, you know, are, I won't say they're gone, but it's much less of a hazard, right? So there's the, the misconception of this aircraft's not maneuverable. False, right, very right. maneuverable. There's the misconception that this aircraft is not all weather. Well, we've got aircraft flying uh, you know, up in the Arctic Circle, we've got them flying in the desert, we've got them flying off of ships, right, in all kinds of austere environments. I think we've proven that you know, this aircraft can, can handle down to minus 40, up to 120 degrees, you know, rain, snow. Now, we often hear, well, you can't fly near lightning. When was the last time you took your F-16 near lightning? Yeah, I actually got struck by lightning one Did time in really? F-16. Yeah, it like <laughs> welded one of the bolts in the back, but uh, that was not a fun experience. Right, and you'll probably never do it again, no, right? No. So, no fighter pilot ever intentionally takes the aircraft right. near lightning. There's the, you know, the, the misconception or the idea of, well, single engine. I mean, you've been single engine your entire career. You know, this is not the single engines. This is not, you know, the the A7s or the F8s that were flying off, you know, the decks of carriers back in the 60s. You know, significant technological advances and improvements have gone into, you know, engine development to make this jet, to make this engine extremely reliable and, and redundant, right? We've got engine models running in the background that help with redundancy, you know, so it just goes towards talking about, you know, survivability. The other thing when we talk about survivability that we're really proud of here is AGCAS, right? The Anti-Ground Collision Avoidance System. First put in the F-16, I think we have either eight or nine saves to date, and it was accelerated five years to get it into the F-35. So when we talk, you know, survivable, we're not talking from a Lockheed Martin perspective, you know, only taken into harm's way, but it's important for all of us to ensure that once that canopy comes down, that the man or woman that's in the cockpit have the highest probability of coming home. You know, I used to say, if I was to have to go into uh, combat today, I'd want to take the F-35, but I've got grown kids. So really for me, if I had to send my kids into harm's way today, I want them in the F-35 because I know that they're gonna achieve the mission, they're gonna help protect their wingmen, and then they're gonna come home safely. I, I totally agree. There's no other jet I'd want to go into combat in than uh, F-35 right. or fiction fighter. And it's tough to be able to share that with the public. They're used to, like, Top Gun. Right. Top Gun 2's coming out. I'm yep. sure it's going to have a whole new thing with that. But 
And I think flying fighters is maybe 10% dogfighting. The rest is, you know, being able to keep your situational awareness uh, right. up, being able to see things at a distance, being able to lead large packages of aircraft yep. into combat. And so that's difficult to explain. And so hopefully things like this will, will really help illuminate that. Yeah. You know, and you, I think you hit on an important point there, you know, the leading large packages of aircraft into combat, right? You know, the F-35, I talked about it a little earlier about being the most connected aircraft on the on the planet, at least fighter aircraft. You know, we have uh, MADL, right? And as you're well aware, MADL is that data link F-35 to F-35. In that case, you know, it's one plus one's greater than two, right? Because right. of the added capability that um, MADL brings. Additionally, you know, we have Link 16, which lets us take in all kinds of information and then, you know, push it back out to everybody who needs it. So not only is the F-35 a, a fighter, right? It can also be a fantastic uh, ISR platform. The, the capability to bring in all that information and then share it, not only with the individuals on the battlefield, but, you know, the uh, decision makers that are behind the lines as well. Yeah, agreed. I think every current fighter pilot that's flown with the F-35 values it. You know, there's going to be, you know, the initial fighter pilot right, teasing, right. but I don't know of a single one that does not value flying with it, because those fortune fighters are going to be with us till at least the late 2040s, and so we can provide situational awareness to them and make them more lethal, and what fighter right. pilot doesn't want to be more lethal? Exactly. All right, so Hazard, you've been asking me uh, all kinds of questions, so my question for you is, having made that transition from the Viper to the Lightning, what was it like for you? Yeah, it was pretty intuitive, so it wasn't too difficult. I think the PVI is really based on a Viper, so, you know, a couple more buttons, and then you can push the buttons, you know, in the Z-axis. So it wasn't too difficult, although that muscle memory took some time. So you can do a lot more things with the F-35. So I think I was, you know, I could fly it pretty well in the first three months or so, but it took me about a year to really start to, to feel comfortable but I remember about midway through my iPod, that's the IP upgrade uh, flying, we were doing a DCA flight and we were flying with a bunch of red air and just looking at the PCD, it was like uh, being in a shot of So as you know, being in a shot of we merge everybody's data together and these big screens display everything. And it was like that. So I could see all the, you know, where all the red air was. There were also some SAM sites, surface air missile sites. And so I was like, this, this is pretty cool. So being able to do that, especially in a 3F fighter, it really you know, blew my mind from a fighter pilot perspective. And so that's when I was uh, fully bought in from then on. So what else would you like to see the F-35 be able to do? I think software. I think that's, that's okay. the big thing to be able to make the software a little bit more seamless, to make it a little bit quicker. You know, as a fighter pilot, you always want more fuel, more weapons, and I hear that's something that you guys are working on, so I think that's going to be big as well. And then okay. whatever next generation concepts, whether it's us controlling other UAVs, things like that, you know, I like where the F-35 is. I think 2018 was that inflection point where it really surpassed a tuned, you know, F-16 Block 50. Right. And, you know, we're seeing it grow by leaps and bounds with every new software update. So I'm excited to see, like you said, you know a lot more than me. In the next five to ten years, this is going to be a different animal. And my son, it's his first birthday tomorrow. If he becomes a fighter pilot, you know, he's going to be flying the F-35. Right. And he's going to be flying a completely different animal than it is yeah. now. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where the F-35 goes. And I think that's one thing that people don't quite understand is you know the technological s curve where you can see rapid improvement over a couple of years yeah yeah nope i'm like i said i'm right there with you excited to see where this plane goes next so yeah. 
Thanks, Hazard. I All appreciate right. it. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I had a great time sitting down and talking with them. All this footage, along with me touring the factory, is up on YouTube. So you just have to search for Hazard Lee, that's Hazard with an S, and you can find all that footage. All right, I hope you have a great day.